Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our reluctant host... This is our reluctant. This is our reluctant historian. <laughs> this is our reluctant historian, Dakota Lawson. Hello. We are trying something new where you introduce me, and then I can uh, uh, g- maybe go on a weird tangent. Who knows? Today, I'm just explaining the tangent. So, really, to make up for the fact that I don't actually have a tangent to go on. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. All right, Dakota. Well, listeners, how about you let us know whether or not you like that, or if you want us to go back to the original? Well, give me a few weeks to like come up with some wacky banter, you know. And you, and maybe next time, just like just like comment on my banter, you know. I instead can't. of just going off your script, it's not on the script. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Well, just no banter, just, no no script, no script, no banter, <laughs> no script, no banter. Okay, well. Um, yeah, but give me a few weeks just to, just to see if it works, and, mm. uh, yeah, we'll see what you guys think. Okay, great. You can let us know it on our brand new Facebook page. Which I'm running. Some might say this is the worst idea that's ever come out of the internet. No, I'm so thankful because I do the editing, the researching, the instagramming the networking okay i get it i <laughs> all i do is make jokes okay like so I'm, you can't do this podcast without me okay you remember I that I, can't. <laughs> I, I can't banter with myself because i write it into the script yeah you just write write yourself a whole script <laughs> for you you to talk to yourself sometimes i do yeah. when i'm writing the script i like imagine what you're gonna say like, okay, and then i can respond by this yeah and then you confuse me by talking about something completely different that's what i do yeah uh yeah so today on today's episode dakota we are talking about the four horsemen of the apocalypse right so i remember you telling me that and then i forgot immediately <laughs> and i saw on your on the instagram page that you said can you guess what these uh, these were i was like oh yeah that's what we're gonna talk about and then uh and then fr- you forgot again oh, no 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 but i remember the, the our friends at the impolite society pointed out that i don't know how this is going to tie into history i'm like oh yeah it's not the end of days yet well fun fact it is it is the end of days uh i hope you're all prepared no people have been predicting the end of days for many an eon in the world of history yeah and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that but also to think that just because something in the Bible is therefore, or in a book, or whatever, is not historical, that's that's an incorrect understanding of history, because everything's history. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So, you can look at, like, books as history, and it's a historical artifact. It counts. It's history. Yeah. If it happened, it's history. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or if it, if it was written down or anything, so. Yeah. There we go. So, that's our way of saying that we've... Uh, uh, we can talk about whatever the fuck we want, because yes. if it if it has been said, it's history. Truth. Hashtag truth. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the story of The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse.
begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. All right, Coda. New nudes. New nudes. Yes. So I originally... Did you fart? Uh, not right now, no. I think it's Jasper. I think he's just been farting up a storm. Yeah, no, I... Uh, oh, it's farts. Stinky farts. <laughs> this is all getting cut out. <laughs> no, what? Why would this get cut out? Uh, the, to tell you the truth, listeners, I'm, I'm a gassy boy, you know? And so her question is just. But it was not I, for I just took a shit. This is getting cut out. You have to leave that in. <laughs> please. Please, they need to hear that. Some For some reason. So, new news. I was originally going to talk about the number of COVID cases here in Saskatchewan and how we are at some ridiculous numbers and kind of going wild over here. Uh, but then I decided I wanted to talk about something different because we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, so instead, I'm talking about the um, shower debate among celebrities. <laughs> Just like Ryan Reynolds is like, we should take showers. And Hugh Jackman's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. So recently there's been a few celebrities that have come out on either like in interviews with the Vanity Fair or on podcasts uh, talking about how much they bathe. So Jake Gyllenhaal said that. This is actually about showers. I was thinking you were going to go into like baby showers or something else. but Like actually bathing themselves. Okay. Okay. So Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Yeah. So he said that bathing is less necessary. I do think that there's a whole world of not bathing that is really helpful for skin maintenance and our bodies naturally clean themselves themselves so he doesn't like to shower um other people that don't like he bathes no no? he just doesn't no like he doesn't clean himself apparently yes jakey Um, poo mila kunis and ashton kutcher don't bathe their children sorry mila mila kunis and ashton kutcher don't bathe their children unless they see dirt on them oh i read that yeah and ashton ashton himself said i wash my armpits and my crotch daily and nothing else uh um Ever? <laughs> I guess. So, in response to that, yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson yeah. weighed in and said that he showers three times a day. <laughs> well, I feel like there's a happy medium, like, maybe, like, at least a couple times a week. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors themselves are split. Uh, some people say that you should bathe every day, um, and then other people say that uh, you can just kind of let it go. But, here's the thing, like, I don't get not washing yourself ever because it's like that just doesn't make sense to me i mean you you clean your house you clean your car you clean everything i'm assuming ashton and mila don't let their house just no they don't clean their house yeah but i'm assuming whatever if they get someone to to clean it they don't just let it run run amok so that just doesn't compute to me. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Well, I can't remember the actual king, but there was a king that took two baths. Ever or? Yes. In his oh. entire life. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, the idea of cleanliness has definitely changed over time. How many ba- bathing days you should have. and The Romans bathed a lot. Yeah. Uh, French in the 18th century would just put a whole bunch of perfume on themselves and put on a new shirt and be like, it's a good day. Okay. Uh, this, okay, so what is your thoughts on this? Well, I hate showering. Yeah. You know that I hate showering. Uh If I could, my, I would only shower, like, once a month. Yeah. But I love baths. 
So I will bath and clean myself once a day at least. Right. I just don't like showering. I'm like, ugh, I have to stand up and do work. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a first world problem if I've ever heard one. <laughs> that that's a good point. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I I don't love showering. I, I used to enjoy it more. I used to shower every day, but now I'm kind of lazy, and I also have this long, luxurious hair now. Uh, so uh, it's kind of. I know I can put a hair cap on it and not wash it, but I'm kind of like, eh. I don't sweat either, so mm-hmm. I don't like get super stinky. That's the other thing is like yeah. I don't need to shower after the gym or anything like that. But I, I just do it tw- twice a week to stay somewhat <laughs> somewhat clean. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> I I'm uh, did did Dwayne the Rock Johnson did he say like was he throwing any like shade or did, was it just straight up like well no, the, I... the article that I read didn't say much just that yeah. he tweeted that he showers three times a day so that's that's fascinating. Uh, mm. Well, let's. Uh, Let's weigh in, listeners. Tell us what you think. Showering? Yay or nay? We'll also put a thing up on our Facebook and possibly Instagram about it when this episode comes out. So, If I remember. Also, if I remember. <laughs> um, yeah. What's your golden nugget? My golden nugget is that, uh, well, first of all, I set up my computer desk in a different way now. So we're actually facing each other now <laughs> instead of having to turn awkwardly. I wasn't having to turn awkwardly. I know, but I was, I, I was, and it was a pain in the ass. So now we're face to face, you know, direct eye contact. It's beautiful. Maybe it'll change the way our like dynamic. <laughs> Maybe it'll just go in the shitter. <laughs> now that I have to look you in the eye and say my terrible jokes, it's going to be like, oh, I don't have the balls to say this That's joke. That's probably true. But my actual golden nugget is that we went, I went to have breakfast um, with uh, two of my bestest friends, uh, Tim and Nick, this morning. And uh, I showed up and Nick said he was going to make us breakfast. And he made a sausage, um, bacon, uh, and a toast and a parfait, like a yogurt parfait, mm. and a chocolate milk. And I'm like, well, this is delicious. But son of a bitch, this means when I have him over, I have to do more than just eggs. And I'm not doing it. I'm not cooking it. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not in the 50s. I know. You keep reminding me. I wish we were. Get in the kitchen. Bake me a breakfast, I would say. Um, yes. So I'm like, ugh. Now I have to actually put some work into... Pancakes. They're easy. I've maybe cooked pancakes once in my life. <laughs> like, I, I don't... Can, uh, you can make some you for me. You can make me. me pancakes? You can practice You can do it for me, me and my friends? Uh, you can practice you, on... Uh, I'll let you do it for me and my friends. You can practice on me and try what they taste like. You can make it for... What's your golden nugget? <laughs> um, so I found a new game. Oh my goodness. Yes, tell us about I don't know it. what it's called. It's Lord of the Rings. It's uh, Shadow of War. Great. Anyways, yeah. I am <laughs> in the game as a... What are, you, are you talking like William Shatner? Like, no, I forgot. Like, I am in the game. I just didn't know what I am. I'm in the game. I am a human. I am also dead, I think. <laughs> this I is have... a sequel to the game, so it's, like, unclear exactly. Yeah, and I missed the whole part, first part because my subtitles weren't on, and I, I don't know what was being said. So I think I'm dead, and I think I have, like, a like a wraith, an elf wraith in my body that helps me be superpower. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so it's kind of like I just kill everybody, and I'm, like, really good at it so that's awesome i yeah. really like the game yeah you're like exploding heads and shit and yeah. doing flips all over and then you met Gollum. i met Gollum. yeah and he's, yeah. is he friendly to you he is and i think it's actually andy circus's voice actually we should look that up we I'm should very, look it up i'm very curious me i mean too. that wouldn't surprise me because he does 
he's acting he does voice acting and mocap and stuff like that he's just a what's a mocap uh mocap is so in lord of the rings he actually did the acting for Gollum. he yes. put on that suit the suit with all the balls on it yeah and then he just acts out the scene and yeah i was gonna do a Gollum impression but i can't That's so fair. um yeah so cool very cool I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it me too yeah so before we get started listeners we have some exciting news we kind of talked about it a little bit or a lot a bit um we have a facebook page so if you would like to go and follow us you can find us under on facebook just search the reluctant historian podcast and we'll show up yeah. i hope I think. yeah and uh you can join us there and uh i'll be posting in it you can find uh lots of these classic jokes you've come to love and uh yeah, we'll see see where we go. It's probably gonna get weird. Just so you know, That's I posted true. a GIF the other day. I don't. I you don't... posted a GIF? Did you not see what I posted? Well, I don't have my notifications on. Mm, yeah, me neither. But I posted something because I was gonna make a today this on this day in history thing, and then I looked that up, and it was somebody got murdered, and I'm like, oh, that's a can't make a joke about this. Mm. And then I put a GIF of Jonah Hill uh just doing like a sigh motion i was like what who am i i've never i haven't used a gif since we started dating that's really cool yeah so it's gonna get weird though i'm gonna uh find some fun stuff to do with it and maybe yeah we'll see i don't know i don't know what it's gonna turn into but it's gonna be fun great in sad news uh we did not get any submissions for a t-shirt design oh i thought we weren't (laughs) even gonna address this i thought we were just gonna pretend we never (laughs) said it (laughs) No, because it's been running all summer. Whose fucking fault was that? <laughs> well, I was hoping eventually somebody would send th- something in, but they didn't. Anyway, yeah. so it's that's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah, we're an indie podcast. We're small. We're still growing. Yeah, uh, next year when we run it, we'll yeah. have lots of Obviously, we're going to have millions. Yeah, so anyways, we do, though, have one design available. Um, it is linked on both of our Instagram and our Facebook pages, so you can go find that if you would like. Um, the shirt itself is like 20 bucks. We make, I think, $4 off of it. And now we're talking about profits with the audience. We're really letting you in on this. <laughs> we're very transparent. Yeah. Um, but I do recognize that the shipping on it is very expensive. It's about 20, well, it's about 18 bucks to ship it to Canada. Um, so I'm still looking into like different people that we can use yeah. to have that have cheaper shipping and stuff yeah, we're so, talking about eventually doing a, a squarespace uh, site and so we can host our own and then it won't be so ridiculously priced and then so i think we recognize that maybe this is just a starting point yes. and that we're not going to necessarily sell a bunch if any yeah but, but if you want to support us we do get money from it and yeah. it would be cool to, like coda and i are going to buy one what that's my hard-earned money <laughs> I don't. I don't want to support these podcast fucks. No, we have to rep our merch. Uh, well, you can also buy masks or too, stickers can't you? or St- mugs. But, but but masks, like yeah. then people will be like, it'll be right in their face, and people get angry about masks. Yeah, we should get one just with my face on it, and then you can put that on your um on your face? mask. Yeah. yeah, cool. I uh, who, come on, listeners. Uh, do do you want to? picture with uh, my face on your mask i think that'd be cool a face on your face i i want to run a poll in the facebook group you can do on that. that but i'm also like what if no one responds <laughs> which they might we're still fairly small there's like 36 members or something like that yeah we're so, growing we're, we're working on it yeah. so anyways this is our last shorty summer episode um, <laughs> even though last week was like over an hour long <laughs> and this is also was our last 
new news segment. For now. We, you know, we'll see. It doesn't, it makes our podcast not evergreen. That's fair. I just really like saying new nudes. You can keep saying it. And people will be listening, like, a year from now, and they'll be like, what is his obsession with getting new (laughs) nudes? Like, what's wrong with the old nudes? That's true. That's true. Sorry. We can just say it whenever. We'll just say it. New news. New news. <laughs> so with the summer that we have had, I've been thinking about the apocalypse. Yeah, that makes sense. And how the heat and the fires and the removal of the military from Afghanistan and the fires. Why? Wow, I wrote fires in here twice. Um, and the COVID. I was like. Ah, the COVID. Is this the end of the world? Yeah. Yes. Was, uh, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it okay. is. I was being kind of tongue it was being kind of tongue-in-cheek, of course. <laughs> but thinking about all these things made me think of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, and I realized that I didn't actually know anything about this topic. And I thought, well, maybe I should do some research into it. Um, and then I was talking to you about it. And you said there was a game about it called Dark Striders. And I was like, well, maybe I <laughs> Dark Siders, not Dark Striders. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to take a dark stride tonight, boys. Um, so hopefully we'll... Maybe I'll start playing that, depending on how this lord of the rings game goes um so yeah learning about these guys um i'd like to talk a little bit about how they show up in the bible and then how they have been interpreted throughout history so the four horsemen of the apocalypse are a christian thing and they appear in three main books in the bible they're in the old testament in zechariah and ezekiel and they are also in the new testament in the book of revelation Shit, I, I read this shit and I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are different in the Old Testament versus the ones that show up in the New Testament. Okay. But they are referenced three times in three mm. different books. Okay. So we're going to talk about mostly the ones who appear in Revelation because those are the most famous ones. Yeah, and that's the one about end times. Yes. So. so according to the book of Revelation, Jesus shows up with a scroll, so like a letter, and on this scroll are seven seals. So not the animal type, but like the wax type. What? Not the animal type? Yeah, so not a... Were you trying to explain to me that he didn't have an animal, of a, like a seal, sitting on his scroll? <laughs> yes. Now, I don't know if you're yeah, making I fi- any... No, I, no I, I, I understand that he's not, like, <laughs> pulling out his scroll and he's like, Ah, there's a giant seal on it and having to club it <laughs> or whatever. Well, I wasn't sure, because sometimes, like, you get confused by the word more and heath. So I wasn't sure. <laughs> Those are challenging words. <laughs> Sure, seal would be hard to do. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> yes, I, I, I thought that Jesus had a pet seal. Seven. Seven pet seals. Yes. Okay. Good. So we don't have to go over that. No. Um... <laughs> no. I think we covered it. <laughs> I'm not as stupid as you think I am. <laughs> Okay, so he opens the first of the four seals, and the opening of these seals brings forth the cataclysm of the apocalypse. At least some people think it's the end of times. Damn it, Jesus! (laughs) But not everyone believes that these horsemen actually do relate to the last of days. Some scholars believe that they are metaphors, and they describe events that were occurring in times when the Bible... Or, sorry, when the author of the book of Revelation was writing during the pre-Christian Roman Empire. Others also believe that the events should be interpreted allegorically as spiritual truths rather than specific events from the past or the future. So three different ways you can see the horsemen. One, they foretell the apocalypse. Two, they are symbolic or metaphors for what was happening in the Roman Empire. Or three, they're allegorical tales of spiritual truths. 
Hmm. We're going to look specifically at them as apocalypses. Okay, I I like that. Um, But I mean, also, as it's written as metaphors, I feel like, to me, a lot of the Bible is just stories and teachings and stuff like that and not to be taken as absolute fact. So I would see it more as being seen as like metaphors because uh, if you read the book of Revelations, it's fucking crazy. (laughs) It really is. So I don't think that's how it's actually going to shake out. Controversial, I know. Okay, let's hear it. So Jesus opens these seals and that brings forth four beings that ride out on white red, black, and pale horses. In Revelation, the first horseman is on a white horse carrying a bow and is given a crown. He's riding forward as a figure of conquest. So he could represent um, Christ, the Antichrist, or pestilence. So lots of different interpretations. The second carries a sword and rides a red horse. He is war. The third is a food merchant, and he is riding... (laughs) Okay. Continue. <laughs> and he's riding upon a black horse, and he symbolizes... Get your tacos! Get your taco. <laughs> uh, he symbolizes famine. Uh, he carries a set of scales. The fourth and last rider is on a pale green or yellowish horse. And upon this horse rides Death, who is accompanied by Hades. Not the guy from Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Hades here refers to the actual place where the dead people go. Oh, oh, he's he's accompanied by this place? Apparently. He's like, oh, come with me, place. Yeah. That's not how places work. Well, you know, metaphor, allegory, that sort of thing. Okay, well, it seems a little odd to me. It is said that these four were given authority of a quarter of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine and plague, and by means of the beasts of the earth. So they're going to kill one fourth of the population of earth. Hmm. Let my seals free. <laughs> Death by seal. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about each rider and what they symbolize. Se- and... Seals are holding clubs. They'll be like, club me, will ya? <laughs> That's good. Thank you. This is a classic comedy that you'll find on our Facebook page. Yep. All right, the white horse. Quote, Then I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So, first of all, and this is the most long-held belief, is that the white horse and the rider are perhaps Christ himself. The white horse representing the successful spread of the gospel. This can be supported later in Revelation when Christ is mounted on a white horse and appears as the word of God. The color white also tends to represent righteousness in the Bible and in other instances, Christ is indeed portrayed as a conqueror. This belief was held, or was created, I guess, in the second century, and people believed it for at least 1,600 more years. However, a completely different interpretation of the character emerged in 1866, when a man decided that the white horse actually represented the Antichrist. I don't he know just why. decided that? Yeah, he was just like, I think he probably has some reasons, but he was like, it's not Christ, it's the Antichrist. The white horse as an Antichrist is actually a successful trope for evangelical circles today who say that this figure is the Antichrist or false prophets in general. So the rise of false religions, um, the rise of false prophets, um, the true Jesus is what we should be following. So, you know, especially in the 80s, that was a really popular thing that there were all these false prophets, so... Other theologians and scholars believe the white horse symbolizes plain old regular war, which is different from the red horse of war. Mm -hmm. 
This type of war is a war that is completed on righteous grounds and in a decent manner, but is still devastating. Whereas the Red War is like bad war. I'm going <laughs> to... Okay, okay. So I'm going to like... I'm going to destroy your country. But I'm going to be really nice about it. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, the white horse could represent pestilence, otherwise known as infectious disease and plague. This understanding appears in the annals of history as early as 1906, when it was mentioned in the Jewish encyclopedia. This is also the interpretation that is the most common popular reference. So we had like almost 2000 years of them believing that it was Christ. Mm -hmm. And now for the past like 200 or so years, white the white horse is infectious disease. Oh, that's not actually that long. No. Uh, the origin of this interpretation is unclear, but in some translations of the Bible, they mention plague or pestilence in a connection with the riders. Um, however, it's a matter of debate whether it refers to the white rider or to the riders as a whole. So I guess that's where they maybe could come up with the idea that it's pestilence. Mm -hmm. The red horse. Mm, yes. Quote, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come, and another red horse went out. Is, is this is this seal like, is he got it like tied up and he's just like, he's going to break it. He's like, tell me, where's your boss? And he starts punching it. And he's like, oh, oh, I'll tell you where he is. And he's like, yeah, I broke you. That's how he breaks the seals. Yeah, yeah I figured. And another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from earth and that men would slay one another. And a great sword was given to him. So, again, the second rider is generally regarded as war with a capital W. He is often pictured in art holding a sword. Usually upwards. names are, are capitalized. That's right. That's so right. That's right. that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think that he's like, he's like, it's war with a capital W. Maybe he is. Like, okay, okay. Self-entitled prick. <laughs> um, he's often pictured in art as holding a sword upwards as if ready for battle, which is the universal symbol that... Um, means it's time to attack he could <laughs> okay <laughs> he could also represent mass slaughter the rider is on a red horse and in some translations the color is specifically referred to as a fiery red the color red as well as the rider's possession of a great sword suggests that blood is about to be spilled the second horseman may represent civil war as opposed to the war of conquest that the first horseman is said to bring other commentators have suggested that he may represent the persecution of christians hmm, okay the black horse Quote, when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come. I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. But do not damage the oil and the wine. Well, I have a question first. Okay. So he had, he was holding scales, mm -hmm. like meat scales, like was he looking to, to weigh some meat? Close, yeah. Like, he was weighing the bread, they think. Mm, I see. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're joking or not. No, I'm being serious. Are they actual scales for weighing yeah, stuff? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I was making a joke. I thought you meant, like, like uh, scales, like a, like some sort of fish shit. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, actual scales. Oh. Weigh scales. Okay. okay. Weighing well, scales. Jeez. Okay, well, my, jo my joke backfired on me. I was being a smarmy fuck. <laughs> the third horseman rides a black horse and is popularly understood to be famine, as the horseman carries a pair of balances or weighing scales, indicating the way that bread would have been weighed during a famine. Other authors do think that maybe the it could be, like, the scales of justice, but it doesn't really make mm. sense because he talks about the price of wheat and barley so that makes a little <laughs> bit more sense that this is the merchant right yeah okay <laughs> just like <laughs> he's a new, new spokesperson for like subway <laughs> like 
Jared went to jail, so they're like, ah, let's get the third horseman of the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's better than Jared, so. Absolutely. In the passage, it is read that the indicated price of grain is actually about 10 times that which is normal. So the denarius for a wheat um, would be 10 times the actual historical price. Like denarius from Game of Thrones? I thought so too, right? Daenerys, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's Daenerys. Oh, no, but in, in Game of Thrones, it's Daenerys. I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, Close, what is Daenerys? Uh, it's a per- like a, maybe it's like a gold coin or maybe it's oh, a silver okay. coin. I don't know. Okay. But um, that represents actually 10 times, or yeah, 10 times the amount of what would be the actual price at the time. Okay. So that indicates a famine because when people are starving and there's a little bit like less food to go around, the prices of it will increase. Okay. The denarius represents the price for how much wheat and barley can be bought. And what they wrote down in the Bible actually represents an entire day's wages, only being able to buy enough wheat to feed one person, implicating that workers would struggle to feed their families. Also to note, in this passage, the price of grain has increased, but the voice calls that the price of oil and wine would be unaffected. This is because even in regular times, normal working class people wouldn't be able to buy oil and wine anyways. So this might be a statement that suggests a continuing abundance of luxuries for the wealthy, while the staples, such as bread, are not totally depleted. Such selective scarcity may result from injustice and the deliberate production of luxury crops for the wealthy over the production of grain. So I thought that part was really interesting because... You know, we're seeing a lot of it today where, like, the wealthy can get away with doing stuff or, you know, going to space. (laughs) Yeah. And having luxuries, whereas the poor people are like, I can't afford to live in a house. So maybe it is the apocalypse right now. I think so. Yeah. Finally, the pale horse. Quote, When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked and behold a pale horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following him. He should have had a. He should have had the black horse. Well, a pale horse. I'll, I'll explain uh, in a second. Okay. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. So it's a little bit unclear because maybe the fourth horse gets that authority, but maybe all of them get that authority. Who knows? So the fourth and final horseman is named Death. Of all the riders, he is the only one to whom the text itself explicitly gives a name. Unlike the other three... Sorry, that's just interesting. I uh, I thought they all had their names like uh, Conquest, War, and... Pe- what was the third one? Famine. Famine. I thought they all had their names. So. Yeah. They don't, yeah. So oh. we've kind of like guessed what they could be. Right, But right. they're not named that. Like they represent those things. Oh, cool. Yeah. He is not described as carrying a weapon or other object. Instead, he is followed by Hades, the resting place of the dead. Illustrations of him often show him as carrying a scythe, which is like... A scythe, isn't it? like a like a scythe that uh, mm. the grim reaper mm. would use like the grim reaper would have <laughs> a sword or other weapon right but it's scythe right i'm right there probably <laughs> sorry to be a prick over here <laughs> you just look really uncomfortable when i corrected you <laughs> it's like it's like when you're in class and you spell something wrong and the yeah. students are like ah mrs lawson i think <laughs> it's supposed to be spelled this way and i'm like <laughs> and that's, I did it on purpose. <laughs> and that student was never seen again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So n- next week I'll be replaced. <laughs> <laughs> Our new reluctant yeah. historian, and, 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 Jasper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So hear about the horse. Why it's pale. 
The color of Death's horse is written in Greek, uh, and it translates to mean either green or greenish yellow or pale. Uh, the color is often translated as pale, though ashen, pale green, and yellowish green are other possible interpretations. Based on the uses of the word in ancient Greek medical literature, it is likely that the color actually reflects the sickly pallor of a corpse. Oh, interesting. I feel like it'd be weird to have a uh, yellowish green horse. Just be like, ah, so your horse is the color of throw up. <laughs> yeah, well, m- more so the color of like a dead person. Yeah, but to me, that's throw up it's color. That's fair. So the interpretation of these horses. What do they... Why are we... These are just horses? And people are riding them. So so what is the significance about talking specifically about the horses, though? Like, I'm just confused because maybe it's just because I've seen the games uh, about these characters that um, it's about the person or the being that's riding the horses. So I'm just... I'm Maybe, well, maybe you don't have an answer for me, but I just find that interesting why there's so much emphasis on these horses. Because I'm a horse girl. And I don't like tell to people talk that we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose a lot of followers if they know you like horses. Okay, <laughs> she's not a horse girl. We don't have a horse. Don't worry. She hasn't watched that much Heartland. Have you? Have you watched Heartland? No. Thank God. I thought we were gonna get canceled. <laughs> um, because I'm telling you the story, and I like horses, so I may have just uncon or subconsciously focused mostly on the horses. But really, it's the riders. Oh, that are the okay. more important ones. Uh, so you thought that your thoughts took precedence over Jesus's thoughts? <laughs> yeah. You hear that? You heard it here first, uh, listeners. My my wife thinks she is above. No, Jesus. I don't. Do not smite me, <laughs> Almighty Smiter. Okay, um, continue talk about these goddamn horses. Well, they're riders, the horsemen. The yeah, horsemen riders. that's what I'm saying. It's about the the riders. Yes. Fuck these horses. I know. I don't want a horse that looks like a corpse. That's fair. Many believe that the horsemen are symbolic of events or conflicts that early Christians were experiencing at the hand of the Romans. The book may have been written as a resistance literature to meet the crisis and is seen as encouraging the early Christians to stand firm in their faith and to avoid compromise with paganism despite the threat of death. The early Christians were encouraged to wait for the fulfillment of the promises made by Jesus, which would be the triumph of God's sovereignty. So that's one interpretation of what the horsemen mean yeah (laughs) however the more fun part some christians interpret the horsemen as a prophecy of future tribulation which is a time uh, which is the end of times during which many people on earth will die as a result of multiple catastrophes the four horsemen are the first in a series of seal judgments that's what they're called this is when god will judge the earth and is giving the world a chance to repent before they die and his new beautiful earth is created for all people who are faithful to him and accept him as their savior so if death comes to you or war whoever and is gonna be like i'm gonna kill you and you go but i repent oh mighty savior he's not gonna kill you i think you would still maybe die but then you would get to come back to the pretty earth and rather than the is that heaven or is that just a well are we talking multiverses here because like is there a different earth that we're going to i mean it gets confusing and i'm not super up on my christian theology multiverses are often confusing yes but i believe jesus comes back and rules a perfect earth for a thousand years and then everything goes away is what one of the interpretations is. That sounds shitty. (laughs) Yes. 
That just goes. Why does it have to go away? Why can't it just be a perfect utopia forever? I don't know. I I I don't know. I don't know. Bi- I don't know about the heaven. Bible's confusing. Yes. So, anyways, one theologian, John Walvoord, believes the seals will be opened during the Great Tribulation and coincides with the arrival of the Antichrist as the first horseman, a global war as the second horseman, an economic collapse as the third horseman, and the general die-off of one quarter of the world's population as the fourth horseman. So if those things happen, um, ant- the Antichrist, uh, global war, economic collapse, and the death of 25% of the Earth's people, then it's the apocalypse, according to this guy. Just this one dude? Yes. And, oh. and other people believe that. Okay. Yeah. And that will be followed by the global dictatorship under the Antichrist and the rest of the plagues. Yeah. But if we go to this better Earth, Jesus will be our dictator. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. The signs of the approaching end of the world are likened to birth pains, indicating that they would occur more frequently and with greater intensity the nearer the event of Christ's return. With this perspective, the horsemen represent the rise and fall of false religions, false prophets, and false messiahs, the increase of wars and the rumor of wars, the escalation of natural disasters and famines, and the growth of persecution, martyrdom, betrayal, and loss of faith. So that kind of sounds like what we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. The book of Revelation contains an account of several powerful visions, and depending on your beliefs, you may or may not believe that the author actually experienced these visions, or if they were simply literary conventions such as symbolism and metaphor used to make a point. He might have also been on drugs, who knows? However, the four horsemen in particular have presented the Christian world with a fearful sense of apocalyptic foreboding, in which the world would be struck down by the horrors of war, famine, plague, and death before the second coming of Christ. So what I mean by that is if you are a fundamental Christian, you kind of live your life believing that there's going to be this doomsday apocalypse coming for you. Periods of war, famines, and plagues have thus often been interpreted as evidence of the last of days, stimulating both hope in the second coming of Christ and widespread fear that the earth is ending, along with the rise of various millenarianism, millenarianism sects. <laughs> millenarianism sects? <laughs> Millennium sex? No, millenarianism sects which are groups that believe the kingdom of god will come with the return of christ who will rule on earth for a thousand years before the last judgment puts an end to life altogether so that's what i was talking about i don't think that's biblical so so wait then everything just ends and it's over yeah according to these what about what about the idea of heaven uh, well is that still a thing well according to these groups no fuck what a (sighs) a lot of this stuff just sounds very like a bleak like thought process it's just like ah yes The apocalypse is upon us. It will come and we will be smitten down. (laughs) Be smote. Be smote. So Dakota, what do you think? I wish that the Bible was written in a more badass way to dictate how badass these four horsemen actually are. Mm. Because I quite enjoy the idea of them <laughs> they're, yeah, they're they're a cool concept i think so too and then when i like read it i was like yeah. this is kind of boring <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um it's kind of like uh i i, I could see what like the, the games like uh the darksiders games are so fascinating because they take all the coolest parts and just like fucking go balls to the wall make you fight as these characters mm-hmm. and stuff like that but the bible is just you know talks about beating seals all the time and it's like man jesus you you can't club seals that wasn't okay however two thousand years ago it's not okay now okay mm. so i think like the myths 
and like the way that humans think about it is like the way is way more of an interesting understanding of the four horsemen like there's lots of movies and books and stories about the four horsemen but like what you touched on the actual biblical references is kind of like eh? yeah for sure so i can't decide which one to go with so i'm gonna say both okay? okay so either we're gonna do 7.5 broken seals out of 10 or 7.5 clubbed seals out of 10. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. How do you feel about that rating? I I think that's about fair. This wasn't my best work. Well, that's not necessarily your your fault. I think it's uh, the subject of Four Horsemen sounds like, to me, that sounds like that should be a 10. Really cool. Right? Yeah. And then you start doing the research and you're like, huh. Leave it to the Bible to make it not super exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from Apple, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a review or tell your friends about us. And really, please do tell your friends about us because indie podcasts grow through word of mouth. If you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook at The Reluctant Historian Podcast. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. On behalf of my wife, I would like to apologize to you, the audience, for her claiming to be a horse girl. I, I know her comments might have hurt some people, And we want to do better. We want to be better for you, our friends, our family. I just... Please give us a chance to show you that she can do better. Me! God damn it! Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.